there. I'm just going to give you a little instruction to kind of where we're heading. All right, this is odd that we're, be, we're going to jump in another text in the middle of a book and not teach the whole book. We did that last week with Romans chapter 12 as we talked about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we want to encourage all of you who were last, here last week, if you've begun your time at some kind of scheduled reading program, the Word of God, keep that up. Hey, we're in the fifth day, right? I know Leviticus is coming. All right, but stay course. All right, if you're going through the whole Bible, if you just do the New Testament, that's great too. That's, you can do the New Testament one chapter a day, five days a week. You can do the whole New Testament a year if you want to do that as well. But if you haven't grabbed the plan, I want to encourage you to do that, to, to make sure that every day you are in the Word of God. And if you don't plan, all right, if you fail to plan, you what? You plan to fail. All right, so I encourage all of you to do that. Well, that was last week. This week, we're going to be looking at, at the devoted church in Acts 2. And I think it's another good thing for us to start the new year off with and also what's coming next week uh, that will go hand in hand with that, which is I'll be teaching out of the book of Nehemiah principles about praying and planning and then not just praying and planning, but actually going forth with the plan and doing something about it. And we've been working now for... Uh, over a year and a half on strategic plan initiatives, uh, um, and we're going to be rolling those out next Sunday, and we're going to use the principles, obviously, from Nehemiah to fulfill those things that God has kind of laid on the hearts of our church, and we went through a long process, uh, but we're there now, and we want to encourage you to be here next week to hear what God has to say through Nehemiah, and then practically how we begin to implement that here at Grace. Uh, then the next week is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we're going to celebrate life here at Grace Bible Church. Uh, that he has given us in, in a world that doesn't value life. And look at what God's word has to say about that. Then we're going to do a foundation series. Many of us, um, and this is really weird if you've been here for a long, right? I just finished preaching through the book of John, 77 message, Charlie, through the book of John. And most people are used to this, just going verse by verse, all right, through a book of the Bible. And we do that most of the time, but every once in a while it's important to step back and do some other things. And um, a lot of you may be new here to grace. Uh, maybe you're new in your walk with Christ. And sometimes we need to step back and say, okay, what are some things that we all take for granted about the Christian life? Prayer and, and, and the, 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 the perfection of the Word of God and, and being good stewards of what God's given us. And those kind of things are just what we call the foundations, the basics of the Christian life. But we all need to be reminded of those. We're going to do a, a series, maybe four to six weeks on that. Um, and then we're going to jump in the book of Philippians. And we'll work through the whole book of Philippians. Uh, the, the epistle of joy. If you want to go read something that's joyful and from a guy who's in prison when he writes it, go read, about, uh, go read the book of Philippians and you'll see the word rejoice and be joyful all over it. So that's the, kind of the plan coming up, just in case you wondered. If not, just come back next week and we'll go week by week. How's that? <laughs> uh, but we are uh, going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 this morning. Let me read that. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to dive in here in this wonderful passage of Scripture. Beginning in verse 42 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of, of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling the property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
Let's pray. Lord, we again, as Jared prayed, we want to stand under your word. We want to be read by your word. We want to be changed by your word. And Lord, as we looked last week uh, from Romans chapter 12, that the, the only agent outside of the Holy Spirit, but uh, the other agent of change uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, is your word. So, Lord, we trust that your word would bring about change in our life and make us more like your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you see the title of the message of the devoted church. And when you think about the word devoted or devotion, what comes to your mind? Now, maybe you're thinking about a person. Or maybe you're thinking about uh, an act. We're getting ready to, getting ready to perform a, a, a wedding ceremony this afternoon between Ben and Kaylin who are part of our church. And I'm excited about that. And there's some devotion going on there, I promise you that. And, uh, and for many years ago, especially on Kaylin's side, much devotion. Uh, you can tell Ben I said that, that's okay. But uh, we, we think about different things, we think about devotion. But what comes to my mind, um, and, and when I saw this years and years ago, when I think about the word devotion, here's what comes to my mind. I think about David's mighty man, men in chapter uh, 23 of Second Samuel. Uh, and in verse 9, there is a guy named Eleazar, the, name, the, the son of Dodo. First, never, never name your kid Dodo, all right? But this guy, his dad was named Dodo, the Aeolite, and he was one of David's mighty men, it tells us. Well, in verse 10, notice what happened when he fought alongside David against the Philistines. This is verse 10 of chapter 23 of 2 Samuel. He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to strip the slain. Notice that, that what happened. I mean, his hand was so weary from fighting alongside David. For wanting to honor the Lord and protect the king who was called by the Lord. That his hand clung to the sword. Would you say that's devotion? That's devotion right there. Eleazar. Well, further down in that same chapter, we see more devotion from more of David's mighty men. In verses 13 through 17, uh, look what it says here. Then three of the 30 chief men went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adullam, while the troop of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Be, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. These three men were so devoted to the purposes of the Lord, and again, to, to David, the one anointed by the Lord as the king, that they risked their lives for David for a drink of water. For a drink of water. That's devotion, wouldn't you say, when we agree? That's devotion to a cause, to a pur pur purpose, and ultimately to a person, not just David, but the Lord. Well, when we look at the word devoted or devoting here in our passage in Acts 2, we need to understand the type of devotion that David's mighty men had is the type of devotion that is spoken of here in Acts 2, early on in the church, the beginning of the church. This is the type of devotion the people had. 
the church model for us in, in, in our passage this morning, uh, the, the, we would say the first church. Everybody's got the first church of something, the first church of the Nazarene, the first church of the ba- ba- first Baptist church, first United Methodist church, first something church. We can say first Bible church. Just fill it in, right? The, the, but this is the first church. This is the first gathering of, of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the, the church at model was a devoted church. In fact, the New Testament only presents one kind of church. The devoted church. There's no other kind of church presented, at least the real church. There's sin presented in the church as well, but, but there's a devotion that characterizes the church. They were totally committed and willing to persevere regardless of the cost. So as we think about that, let me ask us a question. Are you, am I, are we like these believers in Acts 2? Are we totally committed and willing to preserve no matter the cost? God calls his church to be devoted. And my prayer is that by God's grace, we would, he would use this local church here, this Grace Bible Church we call ourselves, but his church, he would use us in such a way that people would refer to us as the devoted church. That's my prayer. That we'd be so changed and so devoted. that they, I don't know what the name of that church is, but man, they're devoted. They're devoted. Their hand is clinging to the sword for the purposes of the Lord. And our only hope for this to happen is for each of us, first of all, individually, to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ in us to be devoted. It won't happen any other way. And then secondly, corporately, as we all individually do that, we come together and we band together as a group of brothers and sisters in Christ and we're devoted together because of Jesus in us. That's my prayer. So let's look at this passage and let's notice the devotion that's uh, displayed here. And we're going to see four truths about devotion that characterize the devoted church. Why are we going to look at that? Here's why. So that the power of Christ in us might lead us to be the devoted church. That's where we're going to look at this passage. There's a purpose, right? Not just to get together and say, that's pretty cool that we saw that in Acts, but that would change us and make us more devoted. Well, the first truth that, that, uh, that characterizes devoted church here is the foundation of devotion. Uh, so before we examine the things that they were devoted to, we must first answer the question, who was devoted and why? That's important to know. Who, who, who was devoted in this passage? Why were they devoted? Well, please look at me, with me there at verse 42. Here's what it says. They were continually devoting themselves. Now, notice the word they. Now, I know you're thinking, if we're going to go one word at a time, we're going to be here a long time this morning, right? Well, you know, the wedding doesn't start till 3.30, so we got plenty of time. I'm kidding. But they. To whom is this referring? Well, it's referring to those who repented And trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a response to Peter's message. If you go back and read earlier in chapter 2, Peter shows up, and these people had come to Jerusalem, Jewish people from all over the land. They had a little bit different culture, a little different background, even different languages, but they were Jewish people coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, or, or also known the Feast of Weeks, which was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. And it was one of three annual feasts that they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And and it says that 3,000 of them responded to Peter's message. Can you imagine that? 3,000 people responded and repented 
and place your faith in Lord Jesus Christ and then were baptized to outwardly show what had happened to them inwardly. So the they here are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who were born again, who were saved, we use all kinds of words, who were justified, who were forgiven. All those are true about all those people. And what's more amazing here about how devoted they were is that they came from all over the place. Different cultures, some different backgrounds, different education, many of them different language, and yet they were still devoted. They didn't let petty differences keep them apart but the main thing that brought them together was the very fact that they were justified. They were made right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were devoted. The people were devoted because they were born again. This was a church consisting of those, listen to this. This was a church consist, consisting of those who possessed the person of Jesus Christ. Not merely, not merely professed him. Let me say that again. These are, this is a church consisting of those who possessed the Lord Jesus Christ. Not merely made up of people who professed the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference. Now I'm telling you, those who possess the Lord Jesus Christ will prof profess him. But many who profess him don't possess him. But they possessed him. They were changed from the inside out. Now you may be thinking to yourself, well this is a given. I mean, the church, right, is made up of those who are born again, who are made right with God. This is the foundation of devotion. We all understand that. But you know, I wish it was the case that, well, yeah, everybody understands this. But truth be known, not everybody does understand this in the church. And, and I'm not just talking about all those other churches out there, right? I'm talking even within our own church, the church that I grew up in, this church. There's people that come on Sundays who don't possess the Lord Jesus Christ. They profess Him maybe by their attendance. They profess Him maybe because they believe that Jesus was a real man and He died and He rose again. But all that does is qualifies to be demons, James says. Just because we profess him, we believe intellectually, but people who have been changed from the inside out, who have repented and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And my prayer is that if you're here this morning, and you've never done that, and you've been coming here for 11 years, my prayer is you'll do that. If you've been here for 11 minutes, my prayer is you'll do that. That you will turn from trusting yourself to make yourself right with God. And I'm telling you, his standard is 100%. It's perfection. You'll never make it. That he's so gracious that he sent his son to die in our place. To die in our place. To forgive us. To make us. To help us reach the standard of 100%. Because the 100% lives inside of us now. That you'll turn from trusting yourself and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And be changed. And be a part of the devoted church. And for those of you who have done that, we must never forget the foundation of our devotion. That we will not be devoted because we're so disciplined. Or we're so strong. Or we know a lot of scripture. Or I grew up in the church. We'll never be devoted that way. It only comes from the foundation was being right related to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not a one-time event that never makes a difference. It's a one-time event that changes us forever. Yeah. Our devotion comes the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's important, knowing the foundation. But it's just as important that we understand what it is to which we are to be devoted. And that come, that's our second characteristic to devote, of the devoted church in our passage. The focus of devotion. Here we see the things that the devoted church is devoted to. Uh, look with me again at verse 42 there of Acts 2. Notice the thing to which these believers were devoted. First of all, they were continuing to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
the apostles' teaching. So here we see the first point of focus was the focus of teaching. And why is this so significant? It wasn't just any old teaching. It wasn't my teaching. It wasn't your teaching. It was the apostles' teaching. But why is that so significant? The apostles' teaching, okay. Well, what's, what's that talking about? Well, in the Gospel of John, which we covered over a number of messages... There's a portion there from chapters 13 through 17 which is called the Upper Room Discourse. Uh, it begins in the Upper Room. As we saw, though, in John, they leave the Upper Room, and as they're, as they're leaving the, the, the city, all right, going out to the Mount of Olives, he continues to teach. So it's the Upper Room Discourse and the Walking Discourse, I guess we could say. But in there, he makes this promise to these 11 men. Judas had already gone out, already betrayed him. He had already gone out, and these 11 men, he makes this promise uh, that he is going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to do something amazing. Look at verse four, chapter, 20, chapter 14, verse 26 of John. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, is there a teaching part aspect of the Holy Spirit within all of us who possess the Holy Spirit now? Yes. But the first per- people he's talking about, he will teach you. Who's, it's 11 guys. They were the disciples that later would become what's known as the apostles, which we also add Matthias and James and Paul later in the book of Acts. These apostles that he tells them the Holy Spirit would teach them all things. And the thing that was so significant about the apostles' teaching was it was commissioned by Jesus and given by the Holy Spirit. The apostles' teaching was the authoritative word of God. Why? Because Jesus promised that God the Holy Spirit would come to them and bring to remembrance all things and teach them things about who he was and what he would do. He's talking about the word of God. The apostles' teaching was the only source of truth for the believers in Acts 2 and therefore they were devoted to it. They knew nowhere else to turn except to the word of God which contained the Old Testament. There were 66 books there. And then the things that God inspired, they hadn't inspired them right quite yet here, but through the New Testament writers, the apostles. This was a source of truth, and they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Speaking of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, William Tyndale was a man who was devoted to the apostles' teaching. He was burned at the stake in 1536 by the Roman Catholic Church and the King of England. And he was burned. Why? Because he translated the Bible into English so people who spoke English could read the word of God. Was William Tyndale devoted to the apostles' teaching? You bet he was. He gave his life. So that, I'm telling you, the King James Version, well, that was the big English, and it was great, and, and God did amazing things in giving us the King James Version. But you know what the King James Version based most of their translation off of? Tyndale. Tyndale. He was the first to translate the Bible into English. So we might have it. And we should be thankful that God had this man be devoted to the apostles' teaching because we're recipients of it. So each person here needs to ask himself two questions. First question, am I devoted to the apostles' teaching? Am I devoted to the apostles' teaching? Second question, what can I do by the grace of God to be devoted to like the believers in Acts 2, 
and William Tyndale were to the, to the, to the Word of God. How, how can I be devoted like that? Now, I can't answer that for you. But you can answer that. How can I be devoted? And I can promise you this. We can never, spend, never be too devoted to the apostles' teaching. We can never be too devoted. T-O-O. Ever. To the apostles' teaching. Because it's the means, as we saw last week, which God uses to make us more like his son. Well, that's the first focus. The first thing they're devoted to. And then the second thing we see is the focus of fellowship. And we see that they were continuing to devote themselves to fellowship. It says, and this is the word koinonia. Many people who grew up in the church have heard that word koinonia. It's a sharing in something. It's a partnership. Uh, we actually get the word coin. You might have a coin in your pocket. comes from this word, koinonia. It's a Greek term. We've got Greek coins in our pocket. You didn't know that, did you? You might have, but it's, that's where it comes from. And, and it refers primarily, this word, to participation in something rather than association participation in something rather than an association with or in something. This word has to do with sharing your entire life with others. And not just talking with other Christians about the weather or, or sports or about your hobbies or your family. And not that those are wrong. We can talk about those things in such a way that honors God. But as we do, let's make sure that they do honor God. And did you see that unbelievable athlete Yesterday in that football game. Can you, can you just imagine how God put him together? What a gift from God. To see God's work. His grace and display in this athlete. Even if he doesn't know him. There's still God's grace on display. We can talk about it that way can't we? The weather. We, whatever it is. But you know if we are devoid of God in those conversations. We can just talk to unbelievers about those things too. And it's no different. But, but this coin is a sharing a whole life. Centered around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And an example of true biblical fellowship is illustrated in verses 44 and 45 of our passage. Look there with me. And all those, those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling his property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. Now notice in verse 44 that word common. It comes from the same Greek root as fellowship. They were continuing to devote themselves to fellowship. Now he's doing, what does that fellowship look like? Well, he had all things in common. These people were devoted to the spiritual and physical well-being of each other. You ever hear somebody say, I got your back? They had each other's back. And then some. Notice what, what they did in verse 45. It says they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all. As anyone might have need, they looked around. There's a need. Okay, I've got something. God gave me something. So I can give it to someone else. I remember this one back when I was 22 years old and I signed my contract with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, back then, there wasn't a whole lot, as much money as you think there was. And I'm not obviously driving a Porsche or Mercedes. You've seen that, right? We drive a 12-passenger van. All right? And I drive a church owned by the, a car owned by the church, okay? So, um, but I signed my name and then they, they, they sent me this check, just, just, just check in the mail for signing my name for $7,500. Now that was, I'm 45 now, so that's 23 years ago. I mean, $7,500 one-time check's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Who wouldn't take it right now, <laughs> right? And that, whoa, unbelievable. And I remember a buddy of mine who, who was a, a football player at the University of Kentucky and kind of mentored me and, and, and during that time and really got a man. I came over, asked him to come over, and he was a financial advisor at the time. I said, I'm, I'm, I got this money. I'm going to get some more money. I don't even know what to do. Steve, help me. And he remember him saying this. He says, Brian, if God blesses you with a lot of money, he didn't mean it all for you. And that kind of heart 
was the kind of heart that was going on right here in the early church. Their fellowship, they gave, they gave, they gave. They didn't have these closed fists with, this is mine. Mine, 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 mine. And they said, hey, this is his. How can I help? That's fellowship. These people were devoted to one another. And Paul expresses this, this, this level of devotion in Romans 12, verse 10. I love what he says here. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. The fellowship spoken of in the New Testament is identified by love that gives preference to one another in honor. This is not the only aspect of a true biblical fellowship, but it's at the heart of it. And if this is our heart, it's about others and giving preference to others, all the actions that come from that kind of heart will be true biblical fellowship. So how are you, how am I, being at being devoted to fellowship? Are we devoted to fellowship? Are we giving preference to one another in honor? Well, not only were they devoted to the, fo the, the, the focus of teaching and fellowship, but also they showed their devotion in the focus of breaking bread. Look at verse 42 again. It says, they would continue to devote themselves to the breaking of bread. Well, what was the breaking of bread? Well, many people equate this with what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, which we just celebrated this morning. And this was obviously a part of what was happening here, but it was only a part of what was happening here. It wasn't the only thing. Look with me at verse 46 here of Acts 2. Day by day, continuing with one another in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Notice that middle part of the verse. Breaking bread from house to house, they were taking the meals together. This breaking of bread also included the common meal. They were taking their meals together. Yet we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 11... Uh, that the common meal, which later became known as the agape feast, was part of communion. It preceded the Lord's Supper or communion. And then they, they would eat together. Then they would take some bread and some wine, and they would celebrate the Lord's greatest gift, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the fact that they were eating together would strengthen their fellowship, wouldn't it, with one another. In order to truly know the needs of other brothers and sisters in Christ... You've got to spend time together. You can't know someone's need from afar. You have to spend time in talking and discussing and, and sharing your life together. And this is what happens when you eat. You pour out yourself to other people. And these believers were devoted to the breaking of bread. They shared their life. I remember when, I, when we had our Russian pastors here a few years back, Pavel and Victor, and Pavel's little boy, had gotten a uh, um, fever. And we were just saying, well, won't you all just stay back with um, with Scar at, at the hotel and don't worry about coming. We invite them over to eat. Oh, they wouldn't have that. No way. That would insult us to not come. We've invited them into our home, our, our private sanctuary. And that's the way we think about our home, don't we? It's my place. This is where I go and I relax. This is my intimate place. No one comes in here. You know what? That's exactly right. And that's why when we bring people into our home, it means a lot to them. When we invite them over to eat and spend time with us in our intimate place, it says to them, you're invited into my life. And they would have none of it. And they came and accepted our hospitality and our fellowship as we broke bread together. Well, the question is, how are we doing at this? 
Are we devoted to the breaking of bread? Not just coming together and celebrating the Lord's Supper, but spending time with each other over food and meals and, and, and getting to know each other and loving on each other as we, we, we invite each other into our intimate space. God wants us to be the devoted church and open our lives to each other by the breaking of bread. Well, not only were they developed, de- devoted to the apostles' teaching the, uh, uh, to the breaking of bread, uh, to fellowship, but they were also, the, the next focus of their devotion was a focus of prayer. Look at verse 42 again. They were devoting themselves to prayer. Now, in, in Greek, there's actually a definite article before the word prayer, uh, and, and the word is also plural. So you could say it like this. They were continuing to devote themselves to the prayers. Well, what's the prayers? We ought to ask ourselves that. Remember, that these early believers were all Jewish. And they had certain times that they were used to going to the temple and praying, 9, noon, and 3. The prayers. And, and they were praying to God. And, and it seems like that they continued this practice for a while until they got driven out of the temple. But they, they would get together as believers and, and they would pray to God like they had always prayed to God. But now it's a little different because they had a direct relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were devoted to the prayers, to, to gathering together and praying together. In, 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 in corporate prayer, it may have been two or three people. It may have been 20 people. It may have been 3,000 people. They'd probably have a hard time doing that in the temple together. But there's a, this communion, in a sense, of praying together. They were committed to the privilege of praying with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that may look different nowadays. It does. But the same heart is there. Are we devoted to prayer with brothers and sisters in Christ? It can happen here on Sunday morning. It can happen in, in, in our life groups. It can happen in, when you're together one-on-one with each other or two or three people. We, we can pray and be committed to that. I started a new thing this year that I'm committing. I've got a whole thing about not just... Um, so I can kind of, in some ways, not just pray for people, but let them know I'm praying for them. And I send them a text saying, hey, I'm praying for you today. And I got a whole list like Sunday through Saturday, and I'm praying for these people, and I'm communicating what I'm praying. We're kind of praying over, we got this social media, right? And, and that's a one practical way. I'm also going to do it physically with people, but that's just another practical way that we can be devoted to the prayers, to prayer together with each other. By God's grace, let's be devoted to praying with each other. This is what the devoted church does. So the focus of the devotion includes teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Now we've seen the fact, right, of, of devotion. And we've seen the focus. Now let's look at the third characteristic that, uh, of the devoted church here in Acts 2, the frequency of devo- uh, devotion. Look again at verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves. Look at that word devoting, or your translation may say devoted. And, and we already discovered what the meaning of this word was. It, it's just, it's an all-out firm perseverance, remaining faithful to a task or a purpose, totally committed. And the thing we need to notice about this word when it comes to the frequency of devotion is that this word is a verb and it's in the present tense. It's a present tense, which means it continued to happen. It wasn't a one-time thing. We've talked about this before here. There's the past tense, right? There's a perfect tense. It's a past action, completed action, result of same being. It stays the same way the whole time. And then there's what? Help me. There's the present tense. How does that go? Here we go. The most annoying thing I ever do here. But it helps us remember. I'll never forget this. This is the present tense. They were devoting themselves. Not they devoted themselves. They were devoting themselves. And I think it's strengthened as you look back. This is day by day. They were doing these things. 
They devoted themselves. It was ongoing. Not just a one-time devotion, but an ongoing devotion. And, and sometimes if we're honest, we think about, oh man, um, Sunday morning's enough. I'm, I'm pretty busy. You know, I, I can't really get together with any other believers this week because I'm just really busy and I got all these things going on. And, and, and you know, to get together with somebody else, maybe like in a life group or do Grace University or get together for lunch with somebody and pray with them and talk about the Word of God together or, or talk about the Word of God at home. I mean, just so busy, I don't have time. And they don't understand that. They didn't, don't live in this century, do they? They don't have Twitter and Facebook and all these kind of things to distract them. Now, now if you really think that, let me challenge you that um, I guess this is the nicest way I could say it. You have no idea what you're talking about. Because these people worked harder and longer days than we can imagine. Now some of you guys that work shift work and all of a sudden they keep calling you back, you might get a little picture of it. They did it all the time. Over time, over time, over time. And they generally had bigger families than we do today. Lots of responsibility. And just a minor thing that they were, this just an ever so minor distraction in their life that they were under heavy persecution and their life was at stake. So they don't can't comprehend at all where we're at, right? We're just so busy. Well, no, they were too. And in some ways way more than we are. Yet they were devoted. They were devoted. Ongoing. Day by day. I love what Warren Wiersbe says here about the church. In Acts 2, the Christians you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for services as usual. They met daily, cared daily, won souls daily, searched the scriptures daily, and increased in number daily. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a once a week routine. Why? Why? Why was that? I love this. Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them. And his resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. That's why. Jesus was their life. They couldn't imagine anything else. Who is the risen Christ a living reality to us? And is his resurrection power at work in our lives through the Spirit? If this is the case, then you will be like the believers, not only in Acts 2, but all people who have been devoted. And you will be devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And that will define, in some ways, your life. It will be the rule instead of the exception. The devoted church will be. And we have a ten- tendency, and this all be honest, we have a t- tendency to compartmentalize our life, right? So I got my family here. Got the Pittsburgh Steelers right here. University of Kentucky basketball right here. I'm giving it away, right? I got my, I'm a pastor right here, right? I've got this other compartment over here. And, and we compartmentalize those things and we separate them. And yet that's not what this scripture ever presents. The Lord Jesus Christ reigns and rules over all that and it's all in one big compartment. And as I said, as Paul said in Colossians, he says, in Christ who is my life. I just read this, um, I got some of my technological stuff, I don't know exactly what it's called, somebody else can help me with this, but it pops up. All right, and one of those things I follow different people on Twitter or whatever, and a buddy of mine who's a pastor, he tweeted this this morning, and he had no idea what I was preaching on, and he wasn't preaching on this as far as I know. It says, the church is who we are, not where we go. The church is who we are, not where we go. Now, if who we are right, has a tremendous impact on what we do. So we want to get it together, right, with believers, and we're devoted to these things together, but that's so important that the church is who we are, not what we do. I mean, the church is who we are, not where we go. 
Well, the devoted church is uh, made up of people who are devoted to these things presently and tomorrow and the next day. This is what we're called to as a devoted church. Well, let's lastly look at the fourth characteristic of devotion characterizes the devoted church, the fruit of devotion. Look at verse 43 with me. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Notice that phrase, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. When God's people are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer, a sense of awe will be a fruit, a result of that devotion. In other words, it will make you want to worship our great God. That's a result of being devoted to these things. Say, man, God is greater than I thought. He's empowered me to be devoted to these things. It's amazing. Now, there were some amazing other things that were going on, the wonders and signs. I still think the greatest miracle going, the greatest miracle ever, and it's still happening today, all of this world, is where God takes someone, it says in Romans 5, who's an enemy of his, and makes him a son. That's a miracle. That's the greatest miracle. Now he can do anything else too. That's nothing compared to that. Taking a heart of stone and making a heart of flesh. Putting his spirit within us. That's a miracle. And, 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 it, and it should cause us to worship. Well not only do we see this, this fruit of worship. We also see a, a, a fruit of witness. Look there with me uh, in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That their lives were so changed from the inside out. That the fruit of this change and being devoted to these things was a witness to the world. And people were coming to Christ as they looked at what Christ was doing with this lousy guy. And this lousy lady. And changing this something that could only be explained by God. So the fruit of this devotion also showed up in their witness. And God was pleased to use that, as he always is. Jesus pointed this out in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your God, glorify the Father who's in heaven. Well, how about it, people at Grace? Will we be the devoted church and realize the fruit of worship and witness in our lives as we continually devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer? Well, we see these four characteristics about the devoted church. But it's again critical for us to be reminded that the characteristics of the devoted church are true because believers are first devoted to Christ. His devotion in us allows us to be devoted. Can we be the church that God has called us to be? Can we be the devoted church? Can we be the church people say, man, I don't know what the name of that, I can't even remember the name, but they're devoted. Can we be that? Can we be that church? You bet we can. Because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. The same Spirit of God indwelt these people dwell, indwells us. And in fact, over the past 11 years, I've had the privilege to see signs of the devoted church here at Grace Bible Church. And I'm so thankful for that. But we don't need to rest on our laurels and just see signs. We need to keep going toward maturity. So it's not just signs here and there, maybe more at other times. But it defines us as a church. Is it difficult to be devoted? You bet it is. To stand in there and fight and stand in there and stand in there and stand there so much that you put your life at risk or your hand clings to the sword. In fact, it's impossible. It's impossible for you or me to do it. Only the Lord Jesus Christ living in us and through us can do it. And as we trust in him, 
we can see these things begin to happen in our lives, in our midst, so that he might be glorified. This should cause others, as they see that change begin to happen, not just in us individually, but corporately, to say, wow, what is going on over there? What's God doing? See, I want things to happen that can only be explained by God, not by me. We've got this strategic plan, all kind of thing, and that's important. But I don't want people to give praise to the strategic plan. I want people to give praise to the most sovereign God. Because only he can fulfill these things. Only he can bring this about. Well, by way of practical application, really practical application, let me just mention a few ways you can participate in being the devoted church here at Grace. First of all, oh, do we have a Sunday? It's a second one, okay. Let me skip. Oop, there we go. Oop, oop, oop. Who's in control? Let me do it. Yeah, okay, we go. Sunday's at Grace. There we go. All right. Oh, yeah. I got it. There we go. Sunday's at Grace. Just being here Sundays. This is part of being devoted to one another, being together. And, and we have Sunday school where you can come and learn and grow and fellowship with one another and get to know each other a little bit better. You can come here and the preaching of the word and singing together and worshiping together. That's all part about being the devoted church. We see our, uh, what, listen to this, devoted to the apostles' teaching. Does that happen here on Sunday morning? You bet. Does the breaking of bread happen here on Sunday morning? It does. Does fellowship happen here on Sunday morning? Do the, the, the prayers happen here on Sunday morning? You bet it does. This is one way that we can be the devoted church. I'm going to go back. There we go. Another way is through life groups. That's our small group ministry here at Grace Bible Church. Well, you get in groups of 8 to 12, and maybe as they grow, maybe there's some 14 or whatever, and other people, and you, you get together once a week, and you talk about how you can apply what we're going to as an application of the sermon, and how you can do that together, and you get to know each other, and see, see oh, there's a need over here. Hey, what can we do to help with that? And you begin to, to what, the apostles' teaching? Yeah. Breaking of bread? You bet. We're going to eat together? All right. Fellowship? You bet that's going on? Prayer? You, it's going on. All right there. It's a way you can be the devoted church through life groups. And if you want to join a life group, see Jared. Jared, raise your hand. After we're, we're, we're opening up some life groups here for this semester. If you want to get in a life group, see Jared, and he'll make sure you get in one. All right? I'll skip this one. Next one, Grace University. This happens four times a year, 24 weeks out of the year, six-week increments. And, and this is a, 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 a place where we have, we'll offer three different um, uh, um, classes, and this January 22nd, we'll be getting that. There's going to be one on the Reformation. There's going to be Old Testament Survey Part 1. All right, just looking at the, part of the, the first five books of the Old Testament. And there's going to be a, a course on Financial Peace University. How do we use God, the things God given us to be good stewards of those things? All right, and that's Part 1. We'll have to do Part 2 later on in the spring with Financial Peace University. Uh, but if you wanted to do that, we've got sign-up up there. This is a way that you can be what? Devoted to the Apostles' teaching. To the breaking the bread, to fellowship and prayer. All right there too. Another, another way. Very practical. All right. And then um, lastly, the strategic initiatives. Next Sunday um, is which we're going to roll out these strategic initiatives, these ministry initiatives, and we're going to put some focus on a few initiatives, all right, that, that we're extra focused on those things so we can be more devoted at fulfilling the mission of the church, which is to make disciples. So we encourage you to come back next week. And once you see, hey, how can I fit in? How can I be devoted? How can I jump in here in these ministries and serve the Lord so that his name would be made great and we'd see more people come to Christ? So that's, that's pretty practical, right? And, and all these things are meant to help us be the devoted church that is continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and prayer. I hope that helps. Now, before the music team comes back here, I want you to watch this video about one of our Grace University classes and encourage you to pray about being part of this particular class or any of the classes at Grace University. We all know the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, Jesus had more to say about money than he did about love. And as a pastor or minister, you're probably already teaching and preaching about biblical stewardship. However, what we found is that 85% of churches do not have a formal plan for teaching biblical stewardship. The result is that the average believer in North America is only giving 2.5% of their income to the church in tithes and offerings. What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's ways? Whether the people in your church are struggling to make ends meet or are already doing well financially, everyone needs to learn what God's Word has to say about money and apply that knowledge to their personal finances. So what Financial Peace University is about is a return to God's ways of handling money, but in a very practical, step-by-step -step game plan showing you exactly how to do it. Designed by Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University is a nine-week video program that teaches families and individuals how to pay off debt, save for the future, and give like never before. A couple that I never would have expected uh, walks up to me and hands me a $1,500 check. Uh, and it was a check for uh, one of our members to go on a mission trip. And they said, you can thank Dave Ramsey for this because it's changed our heart and the way that we give. Millions of people have been through FPU and followed the steps to change their futures. In fact, the average family pays off $5,300 in debt and saves $2,700 in just the first 90 days. We've been using it now for over six years. Our people alone that have gone through Financial Peace University had paid off over four and a half million dollars of debt and put two million dollars in savings. But that's not all. We see that giving increases by 30% for FPU members in 90 days of applying these principles. And we've seen significant increases in our giving in relation to our partnership with FPU and what we're doing in the area of generosity for our congregation. And the results are lives changed, stronger marriages, and financially healthy families. When you're pulling together in the raising of your children, when you're pulling together in the implementation of your careers, when you're pulling together in the handling of your money, you find this unity gives you a lift that you never dreamed you would have otherwise. Uh, we have a couple here in our church that came to our church because of Financial Peace University. And in three years, they paid off over $100,000 of debt, and they are now the leaders of Financial Peace University here at Gateway Church. Many churches have as many as 30% of attendees come from their own community. One of the things I love about Financial Peace University is it's allowed us to reach out into the community and interact with people that might not come to church otherwise, but because they have financial struggles, they'll come in for a class and it's given us a bridge to reach people that normally wouldn't be a part of our church. We all need the peace God's Word brings. You can lead others to it. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. Financial Peace University is how.
classes right now. I ask you to stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them 